Whatever, let's, how are we doing tonight? You doing all right? Good. It's good to see everybody. It's good to see everybody. Um, who is excited about getting into God's Word tonight? Come on now. Me too. Me too. Well, tonight we conclude our series uh, that we've been in this past month, Mystery Box. And to again quote the ever so wise Mrs. Gump, that's Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump's <laughs> mom. She said, life is like a, like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Pretty close. That was close. How many of y'all see Forrest Gump? Any Forrest Gump? Thank you. Okay. I thought y'all should have said that together. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. There you go. There you go. In this series, we've gone through different topics in the Bible that weren't, you know, shared until the night of. Hence, Mystery Box. Our first Mystery Box, we talked about God's command uh, for us to rest. And uh, most importantly, to rest in Him. Our second Mystery Box, uh, which was last week, my wife, Tina, talked about friends. She did an awesome job of unpacking what the Bible has to say about friendship and the ultimate friend that we have in Jesus. Um, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, please go to our podcast, check it out. I know that her message will uh, uh, truly bless you and encourage you. With that being said, let's get started on our final Mystery Box tonight. Y'all ready? Here it is. Fight. I'm, I'm just loving tonight already. Fight. You're like, fight who, Kev? You're like, fight what? Fight how? Well, let's take a look at what God's word has to say about this. Amen. We're going to be going through many different scriptures tonight. But first, please grab your Bibles, your Bible apps, whatever you do to read the Word of God, and turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, just a couple verses, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses uh, 11 through 12. Again, that's 1 Timothy 6, 11 through 12. All right, here we go. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I know we just prayed, but can we please pray again just as we uh, continue in worshiping Jesus through his word, just with your head bowed and eyes closed. Father in heaven, you are so holy. We honor you. We believe in you. We respect you tonight. Thank you for loving us despite us. Thank you for supplying us with amazing grace. Thank you for the work that you're doing in our church at Calvary Worship Center and specifically in our young adult ministry here at Everlast. Thank you, God. We're so grateful. God, I pray 
that as we continue in worshiping you through your word, that you would help us to listen well. Father, help grow us in our understanding of what it means to fight the good fight. Help us to surrender all of our thoughts and affections over to you tonight. Everlast, I just encourage you to pray for your own heart. Just take the next few moments, just pray for your own heart. Say this, God, would you speak to me tonight? And now uh, pray that same prayer for the person on your left and right. Would you pray this? Say, say, God, would you speak to them tonight? And lastly, I would kindly ask that you please pray for me. That God would use me to make things helpful and clear. Father, please speak to us now. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the Bible, Everlast, uh, has a very clear message when it comes to the topic of fighting. And let me tell you something. It is not a weak message. No, it's polar opposite of that. Um. It's bold, and it's a very strong message. Um, it isn't a message, Everlast, that God wants us to just consider or to uh, not take that seriously. Um, no, it's one that God wants us to take with the utmost severity. Also, by the way, this isn't just a message for only men. Can I say that? It's, it's absolutely for both men and women. Y'all need to know this, just, un, just under the surface of our everyday interactions, hiding in the shadows, clouded in mystery and in confusion, the devil works to undermine what God is doing in you and in me and in us and through us. Angels, demons, Spiritual warfare, y'all, they all exist, very much so. But we are not called to live in fear of the supernatural. Most of what we know about this, you know, the spiritual and the, the supernatural for that matter, we've learned on TV or on the big screen, right? Hollywood's um, interest in angels and demons and the afterlife has unfortunately and I would say unhealthily dramatized spiritual warfare so much that it's, it's hard to even know what's real and what's not. So this begs the question tonight. What is spiritual warfare? What is it? Simply put, I'll say this slow so you can uh, write it down. Spiritual warfare can be defined as the battle between good and evil inside the invisible, the spiritual realm. Spiritual warfare can be defined as the battle between good and evil inside 
the invisible spiritual realm. The Christian life on earth is a fight in that Christians face a never-ending struggle against evil. Not on, not an, it's not an earthly military campaign, but rather a spiritual battle against Satan. There is a real battle, a very real battle going on over our souls that takes place daily in our minds, in our hearts, and in our spirit. The Apostle Paul describes it like this. It's on the screen. Check it out. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against, not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Again, that's Ephesians 6.12. What is awesome, what I love about the Bible, this is what I love right here, is that it, it literally just gives us insight to our enemy right then. Gives us insight to our enemy in this fight. Check it out. Also, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Any UFC fans in the house tonight? <laughs> For those that listen to the podcast later, there's two. Um, no, I'm kidding. Maybe three. Y'all, I used to, I, honestly, I used to, pretty, I used to pretty religiously watch the UFC back in the day from Chuck Liddell, Rampage Jackson, Forrest Griffin, uh, George St. Pierre, Matt Sarah, and BJ Penn, y'all, there, there were a lot of amazing fighters when I used to watch uh, UFC. But my all-time fighter will always and forever be uh, Matt Hughes. Y'all, Matt Hughes, widely considered among the greatest fighters in the entire MMA. A former two-time uh, welterweight champ. More importantly, what I love about Matt Hughes is that this dude loves Jesus. It's pretty crazy. You can pray for him. Um, I think I just found out. I didn't know this, but uh, 2000, don't quote me on this. I think 2017, maybe 18, uh, got in a really bad wreck. Um, was in a coma for 19 days and fighting not just in the ring but for his life. And uh, uh, praise God, he can walk now and um, he still has some things that he's battling, but um, and he's still fighting. I love that. Just man, seriously, just look up. He's got a great documentary, Matt Hughes. See, Matt Hughes had a background in uh, in wrestling. Matt's ground game uh, was uh, superb <laughs> against all his opponents. Now, when it comes to a professional fighter, when they're training for an upcoming fight. They train hard and very hard for that matter. Very hard. Here's the thing though. Do you think that they're like unaware of their opponent's fighting tactics? Do you think that they're unaware of that? Or do you think that they're aware of their opponent's fighting tactics? I can tell you this. <laughs> Y'all, they are very aware of their opponent's fighting tactics. 
of what their opponent can do, what their opponent is, you know, specializes in or whatever. Or another example is just like a football team. You know, they'll watch film on, you know, who they're about to be facing in the next game. It's, y'all, it's vitally important that we know who and what we are facing. Amen? So like we just read, God has given us wisdom and honestly a complete awareness of how our opponent in this fight, the devil, operates. He's prowling around, seeking to take you out. Now, can I, I want to talk about some uh, two primary Two different primary errors, mistakes we make when it comes to, uh, to spiritual warfare. Two errors. I think they're going to be on the screen for you. Y'all ready? Here's two errors in spiritual warfare. Overemphasis and underemphasis. Can y'all say that with me? Overemphasis and underemphasis. You see, some blame every sin every conflict and every problem on the devil and his demons that you know need to be fought and cast out others completely ignore the spiritual realm altogether in the fact that the bible tells us our battle is against spiritual powers like we clearly read tonight the key to a successful, to, the key to successful spiritual warfare is finding biblical balance. Can y'all say that with me? Biblical balance. Jesus, y'all listen. Jesus sometimes cast demons out of people. Other times he healed people with no mention of the demonic. The apostle Paul, check this out, instructs Christians to wage war against the sin in themselves. That's Romans six, and warns us to. Oppose the schemes of the devil. Ephesians 6. Again, there's two primary, primary errors when it comes to spiritual warfare. Overemphasis and underemphasis. Blaming everything on spiritual attack stops us from taking responsibility for our own sin. While refusing to believe in the possibility of spiritual attack leaves us vulnerable to Satan's schemes. Y'all track it with me? To reiterate, the best way to approach spiritual warfare is to find biblical balance between owning our own mistakes and also staying aware um, of the temptations that are around us. So now that we've, we've identified spiritual warfare, let's answer the next best question that I think we should ask. How do we fight spiritual warfare? How? Let's go to the word. Amen. In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul explains just exactly how we should fight this invisible battle. Just because you may have heard it before, let me encourage you to listen and read it like the first time tonight. Amen. That's how we should honestly often approach God in his word. (laughs) You know, amen. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. By the way, this is Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand. Keep saying stand, right? 
Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. Again, y'all, angels, demons, spiritual warfare, they exist. But like I said earlier, we don't have to live in fear of the supernatural. God has given us a powerful Nay, very powerful weapon against temptation and accusation. He has given us his word, the Bible, to remind us of who he is, who we are, and what is true. The very word of God is exactly, by the way, what Jesus used to fight the devil himself. Does y'all know that? Now, we're going to continue to answer how we fight the spiritual, uh, spiritual warfare, but I think it's also important to ask another question along the way that we need to be aware of. Where is spiritual warfare fought? Where is it fought? Something y'all need to know is, is this. Spiritual warfare isn't always some you know, big event or a massive bomb dropped our way. No, it is more than... It's more times than not, I would say, little baby thought, little seed, little seed of doubt, little thought of unbelief or fear that the enemy um, whispers to us. We then start to think, 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 think about it. And if not fought correctly, we can easily be sucker punched by the devil. Easily, easily. We've seen it since the beginning. We, we have, check it out. Uh, if you want to turn there, you can. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Or you can jot it down. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Check this out. It says this. Now the serpent, who was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, Eve, did God actually Say, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden. And the woman, said, and the woman Eve, she said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees and in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent responded, said to the woman, You will, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You will be like, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What do we see here, Everlast? We see the attitude, the accusation, and the lying nature of our enemy. We also see this spiritual warfare is fought everywhere, but the ring it fights most in is our minds. Spiritual warfare is fought everywhere, but the ring it fights most in is, in is in our minds. More times than not, the fight takes place internally rather than externally. 
2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war uh, according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy uh, strongholds. Verse 5, We destroy uh, arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Can I be real with you for a second? Look at me real quick. Can I just be bold with you tonight? Quit your stinking thinking. (laughs) Seriously. Pastor Al tells me that often. Our pastor here. Stop it. Honestly, can I say this? Stop thinking so weak. Stop thinking so weak. Stop. You can stop. Think like you've got power. Think like the victory has already been won because um, newsflash, it has. I don't say that in a patronizing way. I'm just saying that in a challenging, encouraging way. Think like the battle's been, the war's been won. Think like you've got power. When it comes to spiritual warfare, y'all, we need to think first and foremost. God has already given us victory. We can overcome because Jesus overcame. Don't let it just go in one ear out the other. Don't, don't you dare let that happen. John 16, 33, Jesus says, In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What is often too quickly brushed over is that at the very time the devil is seeking to devour us, God is drawing us to himself and has already given us victory in Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Everlast, here's the thing. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. I'm going to say that again. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Think about it. Pun. (laughs) If you're single in the room, and you want to be in a relationship with someone, you're going to be thinking about that a lot. And your life will inevitably move in that direction. When you're wanting to be in a relationship, something else you think about, you know, what kind of shape you're going to be in. Or what kind of shape you want to be in, maybe. Probably better. Not you're going to be in, maybe you want to be in. I remember when I met Tina, Kevy was pretty heavy. And I thought very hard. I was like, I met a hot blonde. I will not eat pizza anymore and lose weight. I lost 55 pounds. Praise be to God. You'll think about what you're going to wear. you think about how and when you're going to spend your money, etc. Right? The same applies to pretty much everything, by the way. Listen, if you want a promotion, your thoughts are going to be strong in that direction. If you're engaged and are planning a wedding, your thoughts will be strong in that direction. If you're married and you desire to be parents and have kids, your thoughts are going to be strong in that direction. If you want a newer car, phone, whatever, your thoughts are going to be strong in that direction. Ultimately, I would say this. 
the life and attitude we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. The life and attitude we have is a reflection of the thoughts we think. In other words, how we think determines who we will become. Why do I say that? Let's go to the Word of God. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Check it out. If I go up to the plate, used to play baseball, and I think, oh man, I'm going to strike out. Ain't no, ain't no way I can hit this dude's curveball. I'm going to strike out. I, I, I'm going to strike out. I'm going to strike out. What, what's probably going to happen? I'm going to strike out. Amen? If I think I'm about to just hit this sucker past the fence, Babe Ruth it, point. <laughs> probably I'll strike out because of my pride. But, but you get what I'm saying. Can, can, can y'all look at me real quick? Real quick, can y'all, every y'all look, look at me. Give me some eyeballs real quick. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Do not hear what I'm not saying. This is most definitely not a message of just thinking all will happen as you, as you want it to go and, and you know, and, and just whatever you think or whatever, that's how it's happened and how it's going to go. Absolutely not. That is not what I'm communicating here. This is simply putting a magnifying glass to how we think and how the Word of God instructs us to think. Listen, the goal, dwell on Jesus, not on our problems. The goal is to dwell on Jesus, not on our problems. Why, listen, why dwell on the thing? What what is that thing for you tonight? What is that thing you're thinking about? You thought about walking in? Whatever it is. Why dwell on the thing when we could spend the same time dwelling on the one who can do something about the thing? This is a truth pill we all need to swallow tonight. Me of the foremost. It's honestly simple. If you dwell on your problems and issues and your sin struggles, guess what? Your problems, issues, and sin struggles will dwell on you. This makes me wonder tonight, what what seed or what thought has the enemy planted in your mind that you're dwelling on? What thought? Like right now. Right now. What thought is is in your mind planted there by the serpent who's craftier than all the other creatures? Is it a thought that says, I can't? Maybe the thought sounds like this. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Or maybe that seed has been planted, it just meets you halfway, like in the middle. Maybe the thought that the enemy planted in your mind is, hey, learning how to fight tonight might help you a little, but don't get your hopes up because whatever change comes, it's not going to last because it never lasts with you. A thought could also say you are a failure. Or maybe on the flip side, he planted a thought in your mind that said something like this, you deserve all your success. It's all because of you and your talents that You're successful, therefore, it's all yours. 
Or on the flip side, he planted a thought in your mind that said, you're just not enough. Check this out. Another quintessential thought the enemy will plant in your mind, listen close, is that sin is just not that bad. This honestly happens all the time with, uh, with lust. Happens all the time. Happens all the time, even specifically in the sexual immorality category. All the time. Both men and women. This isn't just the dude thing. No way. I'm actually going to be diving into this a little bit more in a few weeks from now. Both men and women have the propensity to entertain a thought when it comes to lust. We say, well, it's not porn. I mean, they're just in a bathing suit. We're so prone to work hard. It's crazy to minimize our sin and to justify it. This applies in dating. It's crazy how, you know, we'll draw boundaries. Like, girl loves Jesus, dude loves Jesus. We're focusing on him. Well, these are our boundaries. Yeah, draw the line in the sin. Knowing, knowing, both head and heart, that Jesus is bigger and better than anything that sin has to offer. And then we push those boundaries going a little further and a little further. Why? Because we entertain or rather host the thought of, I've got this. I've got this. Which, by the way, another lie of the enemy. It's one of the big, that's, I would argue maybe that's one of the biggest lies the enemy tells you for you to think, I've got it. Whatever it is, I've got it. That implies that you don't need Jesus, right? That you can handle the battle on your own. Wrong. That's a lie. I tell you what, check it out. You want to know what the main thing our enemy wants us to think about in the middle of spiritual warfare? Here's what I believe. When I look at God's word, even in bringing in personal experience, the main thing I believe our enemy wants us to think about in the middle of spiritual warfare, he wants us to entertain and to ponder on the twisted lies that God does not love you, that God does not want to help you, that God does not listen to you, and that God isn't with you. Lies, lies, lies. Did y'all know that's exactly what he is? A liar. Jesus said in John chapter 8, 44, that the devil is the father of lies. You see, our enemy also knows what we shared earlier. The fight isn't external, it's internal. He knows, listen, he knows that if he can lodge just a thought in your thinking, that it will eventually settle in your heart. He wants, he wants it to go unchecked. Which, by the way, quick um, plug for what my wife talked about last week. The devil wants this, like I just, I just said it, he wants to just give you a thought in your thinking. That will eventually settle in your heart, and he wants it to go unchecked. Hence why we need good friends. 
I can't tell you how many, I can, I can, I can. I can tell you the, the brothers in my life, the men in my life that looked me dead in the face and said, Kevin, you're being an idiot and you need to stop right now. Stop. I'm so thankful for, I'm so thankful for that. In the moments I buck up and, you know, my pride. And I've had dudes look at me and say, dude, you're not hard. Stop. Stop. And I'm so thankful that they saw the pride in my heart. Because they see, ultimately, that the enemy is trying to sift these things, sift me like wheat. And that these things that are, have taken root, that the enemy wants it to stay unchecked. But that's the beauty of communities, that we check each other. In grace, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brothers, if someone's caught in a sin, those who are spiritual should restore them gently. Grace. This is a grace place. And it's a beautiful thing when someone loves you that much to speak the truth and love to you. Listen, the devil wants us to not just entertain the thought and lie, but dwell on it. So that maybe, so that maybe, in a day, in a week, in a month, or a season, honestly, the devil doesn't mind waiting you out in a lifetime. His goal is to get you. His goal is to get to you and to act and to act and believe the thought and lie that he planted a long time ago or whenever it was. I'm telling you, Everlast, look at me. Fight. Fight. Stand up. Fight. Fight. Don't let your mind wander and stew. Don't let, you can let it or not let it. If your thoughts are not held captive and made to obey Christ, they have the potential to destroy your life. There's been many times in my life where I've let, you know, the, the seed that the enemy whispered in my ear to take root. So let's ask this question. How does the thought uproot? How does the thought uproot? Again, dwell on Jesus Everlast, the focus is on him. The focus isn't on darkness. The focus is on light. The focus isn't on defeat. The focus is on the victory that Jesus established and offers. Knowing that the fight often takes place in our mind, like we read in Peter, we're called to be, what? Sober-minded and aware of our enemy. Can I say this? A word of caution concerning spiritual warfare. Here's a word of caution. Let me, let me say this. Y'all, the name of Jesus is not some magic incantation that causes demons to flee before us. Even Michael, the archangel, did not rebuke Satan on his own power. He said in Jude chapter 1 verse 9, the Lord rebuke you. When we start talking to the devil, we run the risk of being led astray as Eve. She was like, like we read earlier in in Genesis 3. Our focus, y'all, is always and should always be on God. He's the God that fights truly for us. Our focus is on God, not demons. We speak to God, not them. And again, interestingly enough, right? Michael, the archangel, said, the Lord rebuke you. So he addressed the enemy. But it wasn't on his own 
strength. He was literally hiding behind God. That's how he fought. Does that make sense? Because that's a big topic in the church. It's a big thing that's been in discussion, a big dividing point, a big, a big thing that, that, you know, people have discussed till the cows come home. <laughs> but when I look at Scripture, I see God wants us to focus on Him, on Him and Him alone. Is it okay to say the Lord rebuke you and to spit Scripture out? Absolutely. We just read it. But again, it's not just you're talking to the enemy and say, I'm going to take you out. You can't mess with me. And just kind of leaving it at that juncture. No, no, no. no. We, we, we defend, like we read earlier, with the word of God. This is our main offensive weapon, sharper than any, any double-edged sword. This is the truth. Our focus should always be on God. We speak to him. Uh, many other examples, but that's the best example I found when I was studying. So how do we fight in this? We fill our minds with the word of God. His truth. His truth. When this takes place, we can easily distinguish between thoughts that are real. Example, I am loved by God and created with a purpose. Or thoughts that aren't real. Example, no one cares about me. My life's a waste. James, Jesus' brother, rolls all these ideas we've talked about into one concise command. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 8 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. When we give our lives to Jesus, we become subject to God, and we receive the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The same power that lived in Jesus now lives within us. That's crazy, y'all. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit brings God's promises to mind. When we need them most. We can have victory over the devil's schemes by filling our minds with the truth of the Bible. I love how John Piper says it. He says this. It's on the screen, I think. Yeah, (laughs) cool. The same gospel that brings peace with God brings war with sin. For to say Jesus is Lord is also to say and sin is not. And to follow Jesus is to walk in high-handed rebellion against the devil. So the same spirit who wraps us with heavenly comfort also clads us with the armor of God. So good. Again, we are under the protection and the defense of the God who fights for us. The Lord of hosts. You're not on your own we don't fight the devil on our own as a matter of fact he'd take you out every time the Lord rebuke you I want to leave you with something very simple tonight it's in the how we in the how we fight that we've discussed tonight I want to leave you just with two words two words let's go back to our original text if you can 1 Timothy 6 11 through 12 we'll find out what these two words are ready but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Did you catch the two words? Here they are. Flee 
and pursue. Flee and pursue. Can you say that with me? Flee and pursue. Cross-referencing to uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy. He wrote, a, he wrote another letter. Paul was discipling Timothy. He was leading Timothy, walking with Timothy. We see him again tell Timothy to both flee and pursue. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, it says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Everlast, listen. When we flee, we're free. And when we pursue, we're new. It even rhymed. So in conclusion, just because, Everlast, just because you feel afraid doesn't mean you have to be afraid. Just because you feel discouraged doesn't mean you have to be discouraged. Just because you have fear doesn't mean that fear has to have you. Everlast. Fight. I love how Craig Rochelle, he uh, addressed this church this way. He said this. He was preaching. He said this to his church. He said, when the devil attacks, you fight back. And the weapons you fight with are not the weapons of this world. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. You fight with the word of God, the sword of the spirit, sharper than any double-edged sword. You fight with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You fight with the word of your testimony. You are powerful. You've been changed by Jesus. You fight not just like a man. You fight like a man of God on your knees. Sometimes you turn a cheek. Other times you turn a table. You fight back and fight for what matters most. Victory is not in the future. Victory is in you engaging in the battle today Hear it, feel it, believe it, step into it. You're created with the heart of a warrior. Our senior pastor just literally went to the book of Joshua titled the series called Courageous Warrior. Check out all those sermons. It's so good. Everlast, in this fight, we don't overemphasize or underemphasize spiritual warfare. In this fight, we find a balance between owning our mistakes and staying aware of the temptations around us. In this fight, we rely on God's power and not our own. In this fight, we put on the whole armor of God. In this fight, we draw on the power of Scripture. The Word of God is the spirit sword, our weapon. We submit to God. We stand firm. We resist the devil's work, knowing that the Lord of hosts, our protector, is our victory. In this fight, we quit our stinking thinking. Stop. We recognize the seed of doubt, unbelief, fear, worry, whatever the devil lies to us about. In this fight, we rather fill our minds with the word of God, his truth. When this takes place, Everlast, we, we can easily distinguish between the thoughts that are real and thoughts that are not real by making our thoughts obey Christ. We dwell on Jesus, not our problems. We dwell on the King of kings, the Lord of lords. In this fight, we proclaim Romans 8, 37 and 39. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither 
death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's how we fight. Amen? Let's pray.